Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for this episode, where you'll meet Catherine Ragg, Chief People Officer at Trinet. Catherine shares a story and how self-awareness and smart risk-taking helped her achieve career success. Coming from a traditional environment, Catherine had to grow into the risk-taker she is today. Throughout her career, she took on challenges, betting on herself and her ability to learn. Whether it was switching to new industries or taking on risky projects, Catherine stepped into the unknown with curiosity and optimism. That's what helped her rise to the C-suite after starting her career in the payroll department. Catherine leads with a deep desire to make a bigger impact. She expertly navigated the challenges posed by the pandemic. She created an environment where Trinet employees would thrive, adapting the culture and workplace to accommodate the new normal. Catherine lives her life with the hope and belief in a better tomorrow. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode including the best way to get in touch with Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Beyond Bears podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, one of the reasons I was very keen on having uh, you as a guest and sharing your story uh, is because you're truly a transformational HR executive and, and the leader that has navigated companies through uh, many, many stages of changes and continues to drive its innovation and evolution. And I think for our audience, it'd be super valuable to know kind of what keeps you going, you know, where do you find that inspiration and just all the things you've learned in your career. But let's start at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your early years and your formation story and what's the biggest thing that drove you. Ah, thank you. Um, well, it's interesting. I guess in anticipation of, of speaking with you today, I had to go back and think um, 30 years ago, <laughs> which is quite a while ago. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, it it was pretty humble beginnings, I guess, on some level. I, I had only been out of college for a year, I think. And um, in all honesty, I met a woman who was a CFO of a law firm in Midtown Manhattan. Um, and in all honesty, she took a chance on me. And I spent probably about three years working for her. And I started off in um, payroll and then migrated <laughs> to benefits and other HR support functions, but for, for a law firm. Um, and it was a really great foundation. Um, I still talk about it now that I'm at Trinet, where, as you can imagine, we have a very, very large payroll department. So I can, mm -hmm. I, I can, I can relate on, you know, where they are in their career journey yeah. and, and how, what it takes to get from point A to point B. Um, but it was interesting. Um, so I was there for a period of time and, you know, there wasn't a lot of up, more upward mobility, I guess, uh, you know, at that mm -hmm. stage. And so I was looking for what was next. And um, essentially, I answered an ad in, in, in what was the, the New York Times at the moment. We don't do those anymore in the same way. Um, but it was an ad for an HR generalist role for a fast-growing company. Um, and that company was Tower or Tower Insurance Company, which became Tower Group Companies uh, down the road. Um, 
And, you know, I didn't fit all the qualifications on the ad. Um, it took me about three months of back and forth. And eventually mm-hmm. I did land that role. I started when that organization was about 35 folks, um, but looking to expand um, and, and, and true to their word, <laughs> um, they did. They doubled in size, whether it was through organic or inorganic means year after year after year. And um, so t- uh, Tower was a property and casualty insurance company, and they were looking to disrupt the market in the insurance um, industry. So the job was in downtown Manhattan, which used to be the uh, insurance center of, of New York. Yeah. And um, you know, I ended up spending almost 20 years with that organization and, um, every year was something different, um, whether it was expanding geographically, expanding our product lines, um, looking at, um, how we could solve, uh, industry problems. Um, so we had actually, uh, went on the path to going public, became a public company. And then we set, um, our, our, uh, goals out to create a reinsurance arm. Um, my CEO at the time, I think was one of the very first CEOs of two publicly held companies at the same time. And so from an HR perspective, it was really fascinating because you had to have the arm's length transaction between the two yeah. and there um, uh, agreements between both companies. So I had two public boards that we were, you know, working to navigate at the time until they eventually merged together to one large board. Um, but it was really interesting, um, because you just, you were learning all the time, you know, you were Mm. always dealing with new challenges, new opportunities, um, whether it was through hiring or, um, you know, expanding of the business, you were constantly reinventing yourself, reinventing what the company needs and, and really making an impact on company culture as in yeah. staying true to our values as we, as we grew along. Um, so it was really interesting. Um, long story short, that the whole, we could do a whole podcast on the conversation on like, how, how why did I leave? <laughs> um, yeah. The company was bought um, and I was asked to stay on to help um, through that transition. And um, you can imagine after almost 20 years, um, it was a bit emotional, um, Mm. but really um, difficult, um, but rewarding in the end in trying to find jobs for as many folks as we could, which we did. Um, I'm still very pleased to say that many of the folks that I used to work with um, gosh, going now uh, eight, nine years ago, um, are still with the company that acquired us um, at the time um, and, and thriving and doing well. So that's great. Um, but I had an opportunity to do something different. I, I could have gone with the acquisition or I could have stayed um, and I made or did to do something or, you know, just go off on my own. And I decided that, um, you know, I wanted to do something completely different. So I ended up going to the Armani group, um, which was a completely, completely different industry. Um, and the short story is um, Mr. Armani was looking for somebody outside of the fashion or the retail industry, somebody that had worked on acquisitions and integrations before. Um, and I had, um, and he had licensed out um, the X brand for many years and had just bought back the controlling shares and wanted to integrate that back into the organization. Um, and he just wanted somebody that had a different approach than people that did within that industry industry. Um, 
So I went to the Armani group and um, had to, I was complete fish out of water, knew nothing about the industry, knew nothing about the roles um, and responsibilities and, you know, leaned in, um, spent an enormous amount of time just earning the trust and um, of the colleagues that we were working with and, and just trying to, you know, as you can imagine, they were, you know, two different cultures, right? One really through the parent and one that was licensed out, very different environment and, and kind of why were you bringing them together? How do you bring them together? What was in it for them to, to stay? So, you know, thinking about turnover and other things like that instability of that environment at the time, um, and put together a strategy to work with them to um, integrate them into the parent. Um, and so spent a couple of years doing that type of work um, and then even had an opportunity to further test my <laughs> my my resolve um, by being asked to lead their e-commerce sites um, when some of that integration work was done um, in addition to my day job. And um didn't really know anything about that, um, really leaned in, worked with a phenomenal team of folks that really helped bring me along, but that I could actually help um, help them grow, help unblock obstacles that were in their way. Um, and, and did that for a while until somebody um, reached out to me about Trinet. Um, somebody had basically said, um, you know, I know you're happy, but I know you're not really as happy as you can be. Um, but there's this transformational opportunity with Trinet, which for those of you don't, that don't know, it's a PEO, so a professional employment organization. Um, back in my early days at Tower, I used to insure um, PEOs. So it sort of came full circle. So I had some knowledge of what the business model was. And, um, you know, I met our CEO, who is, is still my boss, and um, the opportunity was to really completely revamp the HR um, department. So almost rebuilding it. And it's sort of interesting because I'll, I'll never forget when my CEO had interviewed me the first time. He was like, well, how do you feel about being an HR person for an HR organization when everybody knows your work? <laughs> and um, and it was really, you know, it, it, it is true. It, it is a challenge at times, um, but also very, very rewarding because you've just got so much uh, talent around around you that you can harness and work with, which is um, really amazing. And um, so the opportunity was to come here and, and rebuild. Um, they, uh, you know, we've built an amazing team. We've had to reset our values. When I got here, we had done a series of acquisitions before me, um, but they weren't actually integrated. So you had different core values, different performance management programs, different handbooks, different, um, all kinds of different policies and procedures that had to all be cleaned up to create sort of what we call our, our one trinet culture. Um, and for me, I just, I love that type of work. Um, mm. and now I'm here almost approaching six years. Wow. Well, what stands out about all of these uh, various roles and, and challenges that you've uh, led you know, for those companies and uh, created the transformational impact is as much as people have taken a chance on you, it sounds like you repeatedly took a chance on yourself too, uh, which is not very common because so often we look at what a job requires and think to ourselves, well, I haven't done it before or I don't meet all of the criteria, so I don't want to fail and I'm just going to opt out. And yet you're an example of someone that has repeatedly opted in. What is it that about yourself that has not only allowed you to lean into those roles and take on those challenges, but ultimately be successful in those roles? 
if there was an attribute or quality or something that uh, about you that gives you that? Um, I think, you know, it's a good question. And it, it's interesting. I think um, from a personality perspective, um, you know, I try to balance for argument's sake, risk, but trying to have fun and hope. And, and I think mm-hmm. hope is, is, and I know you like hope's not strategy, but there, mm-hmm. there is something where, you know, if you have this kind of ability to always be thinking about the future and how you're going to um, push forward and sort of where do you see yourself in the long run? Um, it's sort of interesting because again, I, I had fairly humble beginnings and, you know, my mom was pretty traditional <laughs> and she was always like, you know, your place is, you know, taking care of your kids or doing this kind of thing. And, and that was lovely. And of course, that's my role as a, as a parent of two uh, now teenage girls. Um, but there was something always in my DNA that was saying like, I, I've got to do more. I've got to figure mm. out how to make a broader impact. And for me, um, I love over the years in, in seeing people grow in their roles, seeing people, you know, transform, um, you know, from one level to another. Um, and that gets me really excited. So I guess on some level, if I turn it inside and I think about that for me, it's I'm OK with the risk. I'm OK with trying mm-hmm. um, and failing, but learning from those mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess from a courage perspective, um, it's just being self-aware on like, you know, I kind of always am pushing the boundaries on like my, my, I mean, to be frank, my husband always yells at me because I'm always like, wait, we can, we can do one more thing. We can just do <laughs> figure that thing. He's like, wait, no, this is enough. And I'm like, no, one more. Um, but within balance, right. I think in, in a work setting, it's hard because you never want to push your teams that hard. But for me, it's being able to lead by example and demonstrate the ability to sort of push the boundaries is Mm. part of how I hold myself accountable um, because I would never do to somebody else what I wouldn't be doing to myself within some Mm. level of um, balance, if you will, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. It's it's yep. hard. It's hard. It's hard to find that. But I, I think it's just, you know, the 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 ability and the desire to look towards making a better future, whatever that may be. Yeah. Yeah. I often think of it as when you have a compelling future that uh, is clear to you, it pulls you forward as opposed to looking at just what's in front of you and all the obstacles that you don't think you can overcome. So, you know, uh, having faith in that future overcomes the fear. Uh, Exactly, the vision that pulls you forward. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Now, you also made some pretty dramatic industry changes um, and and in some ways, industries that almost polar opposites in terms of, you know, what what the customer base or what the uh, business models and so forth might be. Share a little bit about your decision-making thought process. You know, if you think back to that time, like, uh, or even now when you are thinking about 
you know, those are pretty significant decisions to make. Not only am I stepping into a new career, I'm stepping into a role that uh, I might not have done before, but I'm also switching industries where I'm going in, you know, uh, with no idea about, you know, how to uh, navigate through that. So how did you make those decisions that helped you feel certain about the choice you were making? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, so I think, you know, making the move from the PNC world to the fashion or retail world, um, it was not an easy decision at all. Um, but it was one where, um, one, I was, I was ready for a change. Um, and uh-huh. Sometimes doing something completely different is the change you need as hard as it is. Um, And for me, well, for for, I guess two things. Um, One, as an HR professional, um, I'd like to think there are uniquenesses to different industries and the support that they need. Um, But at the core, (laughs) you know, there is a foundation that is transferable different industries. Um, however, you have to tailor your approach, you have to tailor your your processes. Um, I'm a big believer in um, the programs and policies and, and practices that I create at one organization don't necessarily exactly work at another organization. You have to actually, mm. um, there's some obviously, you know, foundational type aspects, but when it really comes to building programs that work, um, you have to know your audience. Um, and mm-hmm. so for me, it was just another layer of expanding my experience um, with a group to see, was that an industry that was going to work for me? Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was great. Um, it, it was a hard decision in that. I mean, again, those first few months in particular, I didn't have a lot of contacts in the industry. I had, I had, I had one individual that um, had alerted me to the role and, and sort of attracted me to the opportunity. Um, and to be fair, that person had faith in me. And, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if you think I can do it, then I can likely do it. So you just need that one person of that mm-hmm. one hope yeah. <laughs> um, that helps. Um, and then it was like, okay, you know, I'm going to just jump, you know, all in, you know, and, and, and put my all into it. And, um, it was great. I mean, it was great. It's 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 something that um, I think many people get you know attracted to that industry um, for various reasons, not limited to the perks that come along with the roles, yeah. but it's work. Um, and many people stay in that that world for a long time. Um, for me, I think it was really important to shift. So while it was an important and 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 I think career defining opportunity for me. Um, I also knew for myself that I wasn't having the type of impact that was important to me from a culture perspective um, in what I like to do from a transformational perspective. So I had kind of achieved what I was set out to do. Um, but as far as going to that next level and how do you make an impact, that opportunity wasn't there. Um, and that's what made me shift into mm. another, another role. Um, because in fairness, that's probably the shortest I've ever stayed anywhere. Um mm-hmm. In my career. And it wasn't because it was a mistake. It was just because I had accomplished what I was set out to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and uh, it's also interesting how um, you have defined sort of your growth goal, if you will, your impact goal and your growth goal. And, you know, seeing each of these roles um, as uh, the vehicle to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not necessarily, you know, once you're there, but you then park on the side of the highway, and just stay along. So, uh, you know, that ability and desire to constantly learn and grow. Um, 
how did that help you navigating such a large organization through COVID? I mean, the last two, three years have uh, really, uh, you know, put such a strain on, you know, people leaders in the organization because there's no existing playbook on exactly what the right answer is. You're guessing and, and doing the best, you know, making the best decisions you can with the limited information you have. Share a little bit about, you know, the personal side of what that was like for you in terms of being at the helm, navigating people, culture, and all of the challenges um, over the last few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely, there's no playbook. Um, I think people have, or, you know, have their, you know, business continuity plans and, you know, disaster recovery plans and things like that. And, um, but COVID obviously was a unique, uh, <laughs> a unique impact to the organization that's actually transformed the way that we work entirely. Um, but not knowing what any of that was in the beginning, um, you know, my knee jerk reaction was safety first. Um mm. You know, having having actually worked in Manhattan, lower Manhattan at the time of 9-11 and, and been there literally through that process, wow. um, I was able to pull from certain experiences, I guess I would say, on, you know, not wanting to expose our, our, our colleagues um, when I don't have to, to things that are out of my control. So, um, and it was interesting because I think it was actually very hard for this organization that um, was 98% in the office. <laughs> um, so to, to being now 98% um, remote um, was a huge shift. Um, so uh, when we originally went remote, um, we did with relative ease. It's always easy to, to, to sort of put everybody out into, in, into the, um, into remote work. Um, but obviously it became super hard to pull people back in <laughs> and, and, mm. and guessing on whether that was the right reason, the right, the right thing to do one way or another. Um, but we had a we had a small team of just you know um, at the time it was you know my CFO my CLO myself our our COO and you know we would weigh the pros and cons of what did we need to do and so in the very beginning it was about shutting down offices and then reopening them shutting them and reopening and then we just made a decision this is silly we're gonna stay <laughs> we're gonna stay we're gonna stay remote for a period of time and then it always became on like well when do you come back in when do you come back in and we just pushed it out. So we watched what some of the larger company, even larger companies were doing. Um, but I think for me, it was, it was just about, it was safety and, and making sure that the business ran, um, that, that folks mm. had what they needed to do their job um, so that they didn't lose their job because everybody also got worried about job security at that time. Right. And so one of the things that we tried to do is coming out super strong and fast to say, okay, we're going remote. You know, we need you, we need to make sure you have the tools. So we invested in tools, we invested in um, equipment and all kinds of things so that folks could replicate their home situation. Um, and it was engaging with folks of a different way. I think personally for me, it was really interesting. I, I um, we had talked beforehand. I, I just, um, in the last two years during COVID had moved to the West coast. Um, but I lived in New Jersey, right outside of Manhattan, um, where my office was. And, you know, we worked morning, noon and night because, you know, when you've got multiple time zones, you've got folks that you're worried about and, and, and whatnot, and, and your, you know, your family at home. Um, it took a heavy toll. I think the the impact that this pandemic and sort of the so society, the economic, the social 
um, changes that have uh, happened over the course of the last three years have, have really impacted the way HR is being asked to engage mm. on behalf of companies. Um, because, you know, you spend so much waking time, as you know, with your, with your, your coworkers that, mm-hmm. you know, they're now, you, we're being kind of asked to like, well, do you have an opinion on these things? And if so, how do I navigate? And, or if I'm having, you know, trouble at home, like what are the resources that you can give me and how do you help me so that I can be productive, you know, for my eight hour mm-hmm. work day? Um, and so I think for me, I tend to, I mean, for better or worse, I tend to throw my all because my, my, my colleagues, like, again, it's sort of that leading by example and making sure you're available and creating resources for them, but at the same time that you do at home, right? Um, so being able to leverage um, your time appropriately um, and keeping healthy as you go through that process, mm-hmm. really, really hard, but also really, really important um, yeah. and give people the time to navigate through it. Um, you know, gosh, over the last... Um, you know, over the last few years, uh, you know, just even in leaning into as an organization, but again, by example, on having hard conversations with colleagues on like, you mm. know, that they see the things that they that they're experiencing, whether it be home or personal, the world meshed together into one, yeah. right? there became no boundary between the two. Yeah. And, um, well, Zoom kind of brought us all into each other's living rooms, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the conference room. So, yeah, absolutely. And trying to navigate that and, and help giving them tools to do it. I think, you know, um, keeping yourself engaged as well as your colleagues engaged is, is super difficult, but it became imperative um, yeah. um, so that we could actually navigate um, successfully, you know, this, this period of time. Um, and fast forward, we're still um, 98% remote and intend to be yeah. actually. So it's completely changed the face of the way we work and many other companies yeah. are bringing people back. That's just not how we're, how we're, how we're yeah. doing at this time, at this time. That's fantastic to hear because, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a school of thought of this expectation of going back to the way things were. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to imagine why, how you can possibly go back when something that significant has occurred around the world, right? You can only adapt and create a new normal um, that holds you forward as opposed to expecting things to retract to the way it was. And, and then that gives us the opportunity to rethink culture in this digital context, rethink, you know, uh, team velocity, think about what does engagement look like if we're all over Zoom? You know, what does that mean? But if we're able to solve those problems effectively, it actually makes us more agile and adaptive to the world we're headed towards as opposed to holding on to what the past looked like. Yeah, I agree. I think um, sort of the flexibility or the agile thought process, um, you have to be open. (laughs) You have to be open to change and willing to change um, because you don't know exactly what you're going to be called on, what, you know, what tomorrow brings um, Mm -hmm. and creating a nimble or flexible environment that meets the needs of your colleagues or, you know, or, or even yourself and and having that sort of open and self-reflected kind of like, this is what I need right now. Mm -hmm. What, what I'm going to do um, is really important. And I think people, you know, in the very beginning of COVID, if you will, um, nobody had time to think about it, right? They were just sort of in mm-hmm. like, I got to survive. This is what I've got to do. And then I think there was like sort of a, a, an ebb and flow where people got tired. They were just like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm tired. And, and, and so yeah. you had to reset and think, okay, one, how do I take care of myself? How do I take care of the others around me? What do they need? Um, 
you know, to, to pop it back up. Cause we even saw with engagement survey results and other things, you know, our, our results were off the chart that first year, you know, then they plateaued, um, or came down, if you will, still higher than pre-pandemic times, but much lower than they were that first year. Um, and then this year, you know, rebounding back up, which is great to see, um, especially during, you know, when you're still in that hybrid, you know, mm-hmm. working environment. Um, and we've expanded, gosh, more than 30% year over year from an employee headcount perspective and making sure that wow. everybody is engaged and, and feels um, a sense of belonging with the organization with many, you know, many folks I haven't even met yeah. <laughs> at this, at uh-huh. this yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating, but, um, but it, it takes, I think, um, uh, it, from my perspective, it's listening. So whether you're at home and you're, you know, like you just mm-hmm. gotta, you have to take time to yourself, um, to yeah. really listen and kind of digest all that you're seeing, feeling, hearing, so that mm-hmm. you then be able to, um, provide perspective or create an environment that allows folks to be their best selves, if you will. Mm. You know, one of the things that um, in in all of the roles you've led, it sounds like you move toward challenges uh, and, and you know the challenging roles and like the uh, the uh, the platforms that allow you to have a tremendous impact. Um, but that also brings up the question of how have you navigated that personally as a mom, you know, as, um, uh, you know, on the personal side, because uh, this fear that I'll either fail as a parent, if I'm super focused on this very demanding career, or if I'm, you know, focused on my family that I have to maybe make compromises about how far and how much I can do in my career. You've done them both. Um, If there was one piece of advice you had to give to someone, a mid-career woman who has huge ambitions, but also wants to be a good mom and not carry guilt on both sides, uh, what would you say has worked for you that they can learn from? Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm always learning. (laughs) Um, But um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, is, is compromises. Um, I don't believe it. Like, so there's the whole like lean in, you can have it all kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is not to the fullest extent, right? There's going to be mm-hmm. compromises no matter how you, how you slice it. And you have to be, you have to be able to be comfortable with those compromises. So for me, so, you know, I had said I moved during the pandemic. Um, strategically, a big reason for me moving was actually I work for a West Coast based company. Um, and the hours I was working was untenable. Um, and mm. you know, you start early on the East Coast and you end late on the East Coast because it's still early on the West Coast. And um, m- my move was primarily based on the fact that I wanted to have better work life balance, if you will, if that's mm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So we I had a very supportive partner um, who uh, saw this as an opportunity and, and for us to actually be there as, as parents and, and partners and, and whatnot so that he helped support, um, our move to the West Coast. Um, so generally, um, I would say most nights I have dinner with my family now and I make that a mm. priority. So if I go home, I have dinner. Um, I may have to work later. Um, or, you know, on the very occasion, I've got something that I need to do, I miss it, but we, we communicate in advance on sort of expectations for the week. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. that's no surprises. Um, 
I still travel a lot, which can be hard for my for my family. I think I got my kids phones before, you know, many, many parents did. But that was my ability to keep yeah. in touch and have instant access to them when I needed it. Um, but it, it's really about, you know, trying to get as organized as you can about, you know, what's to come. And you know that, you know, in, in the working world, you never really know what your what your week's going to be like, mm-hmm. like the best laid plans. You've got your schedule, your calendar, um, but things do change um, and, and trying to communicate expectations. My husband will always say, can you just tell me in advance if you're going to work late? That's totally fine. Just I want to know not at that moment. Yeah. I want to and plan for it. And you know, it's hard to do that sometimes, but trying to anticipate or say, you know, these are the nights I'm going to work late, or these are the days I got to go in early or whatever the case may be is, um, communication, 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 um, with my kids. Um, again, it's family dinners, weekends time, weekend time is, is precious, um, for us. Um, and, you know, sitting up late doing homework or other things as it, as it comes up, I used to do zoom homework with my kids when I was (laughs) all the time. And, um, you know, it's trying to find that balance. It's not perfect, um, by any stretch, but it's, it's, um, letting them know you care that you're there for the important things to the extent that you can be um, and 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 bringing them into your world like you know they've yeah. met my CEO they've met people I work with and they've seen my office and you know yeah. even if I'm not here all the time they at least have some visual on like okay that's where she is <laughs> yeah yeah so basically plan communicate and don't expect perfection right? absolutely 100%. <laughs> Well, let's move into the lightning round questions. Um, So this, uh, we ask all our guests the same five questions, uh, and you get to respond with one word or one sentence responses. Um, So we get a feel for, you know, uh, what inspires you and what you're all about. So you ready? Sure. Okay. So what book has greatly influenced you? Uh, Can I give you two? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the book of hope, which is a newer book, it's out by Jean Goodall. Loved, loved, mm-hmm. loved that book, Survival Guide, um, and A Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. I love that one. Yes. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? So there's many, many out there, but I think the one that resonates with me, you know, in accordance with all the things that we talked about today, is lasting change is a series of compromises, and compromise is all right as long as your values don't change. And that's, again, a Jane Goodall, sort of like my hero. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Um, what is the moniker you would use to describe yourself? I think um, an empathetic leader, an empathetic, mm. generally. You're in the right career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is one change that you implemented, um, say, over the last year or two that made your life better? So the one change I would say is, so I'm sort of fiercely independent at times and is realizing you cannot do it all on your own. (laughs) Um, And it's okay to ask for help. (laughs) Um, And it's something that I work with my girls on all the time um, because I can see who they are and who they're emulating in life. And I'm like, no, 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 learn early. It's okay. (laughs) help. (laughs) Um, But it's really been helpful for me. Um, You know, you don't, you don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to be able to do Mm -hmm. everything on your own. Um, You know, that's what your network is for. That's what your coworkers are for. Um, And building good teams around you, you can um, rely on them. Yeah. You can be Wonder Woman, but you can still have a tribe. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so what power song would you want playing as you walk out onto a stage? So I think the power song I would use is Confident by Demi Lovato. I think yeah. she's interesting, interesting um, career and evolution. And I think it's a great song. Oh, well, uh, you've had a tremendous career and tremendous impact to uh, so many people around the world and leading change uh, in such an inspirational way in the companies you were at. Uh, so uh, we're super thrilled to collaborate with you at Beyond Barriers and uh, the work that uh, you know, we're doing together to drive more uh, future female leaders and also create more engagement so thank you for everything that you stand for and to always lead with empathy and kindness and uh, you know lead with values thank you very much thank you for your time today i really appreciate it thank you for joining us for this episode of the beyond barriers podcast there are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.